The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. All right, well, let's take our Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, I'm going to read verses 14 through 18. Out of respect for God and his word, would you, would you please stand with me as we read our, our passage this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you now, we, we ask that you would quiet us and still us, and we pray that you would open our hearts to your word. We pray, Lord, that you would shape us and fashion us in the likeness of your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, that we would not seek to justify our life, but that we would seek to change our life to satisfy your word. Help us today, Father, as we listen to the preaching and as we are instructed by you. Grant us wisdom and grant us strength, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning is the fourth installment in the series of messages I have entitled, In Pursuit of Happiness. Thus far, we have asked and answered two questions. The first question I asked was, what is holiness? And we took some time uh, to discuss this, what is holiness, to define the scriptural meaning of holiness. And the second question was, How do we obtain holiness? And I've spent the last two Sunday mornings talking about that. I said, first of all, holiness begins at Calvary. And we saw from Scripture that it was at our new birth, at at our new creation, that holiness begins. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, we read, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And, and we see here that before the foundation of the world, Before God created anything, he knew you, he knew me, and he had already ordained that we would be in Christ 
and that we would be holy. So on that wonderful day, on November 29th, 1981, when the Lord quickened my dead soul and made me alive and revealed to me the truth of the gospel, and I received the gift of Jesus Christ, on that day, my life began. I was 24 years old at the time. But my life started that day. And holiness, our holiness, begins at Calvary. But then secondly, we saw that holiness is completed in Christ. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, we read, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. We, we saw that holiness, our holiness was made complete. It was, it was foreordained by God before the world began, before God created anything. And this morning, lest we be doubtful, if there was a Big Bang, it's when God spoke and the stars came into existence. God created things, folks. That's the reason scientists can't connect all the dots, is because their theories are based upon fairy tales. You follow the Bible and it's easy to connect the dots. Amen? But that's a message for another day. We're not going to go there today. But in eternity past, before God created anything, he already knew me and he had already elected me unto his salvation and he had already ordained that I would be holy. And the, the, the completion of that is in his own son, Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he hath made him, him being Jesus, for he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin. Now I'm not the one who knew no sin. Jesus is the one who knew no sin. And he was made sin for me, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Holiness is Christ and is completed in Christ. Then there was a third question that I raised on that first Sunday we, we started this series. And that third question was, how can we obtain holiness? So we've defined holiness and we know, now know how to obtain that holiness. So the third question was, how can we continue in holiness. And I've already stated it. I've already stated this morning from Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. <laughs> so God has already ordained that we will be holy. We are made holy by the calling of God. And furthermore, we know in Romans eleven twenty nine, the Bible states, For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. 
So just as we cannot lose our salvation, we also cannot lose our state of holiness before his eyes. Now, I might be able to ruin my testimony before your eyes, and I might be able to, 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 to bring shame to my name by my actions, but do you understand, in the eyes of God, we are holy because we are holy in Christ, not by our own efforts, but by Christ himself. I am holy because Christ is holy. And as long as Christ is holy, in the eyes of God, I will be holy also. Not because I am good, but rather because I am redeemed by the blood of Christ. Therefore, my holiness is established in the eyes of the Lord. However, we must acknowledge that God not only makes us holy, but he also keeps us holy. And so we, we talked about how do we continue in holiness. And we said uh, our third point was holiness is empowered through the sanctification of the Spirit. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. God expects you and me to live holy lives. Yet not one of us, not one of us in and of ourselves, Possess the ability to live a holy life. Oh, we might be able to clean up our act for a short period of time. But ultimately, we are all going to return to the, to the, to the works of the flesh. So none of us can, can, can produce holiness in ourselves. It is God that makes us holy, and it is God that keeps us holy. So how are we going to accomplish the admonition of the Lord to be holy? How are we going to do this? Through the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. By the new nature that God has imparted to us at salvation. Remember, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, Paul writes, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are are become new. It is the Father that imports to us this new nature. And it is the Holy Spirit that instructs us in righteousness. The power of the gospel, the power to live in righteousness, the power to walk in holiness, these all flow to you and me through the sanctification given to us by the Holy Spirit. It is this sanctification that empowers us to overcome the flesh. It is this sanctification that empowers us to live in holiness, not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Galatians 5.24, Paul writes, And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. God has destroyed the strength of the flesh. He hadn't destroyed the flesh. I still live in the flesh. But God has destroyed the strength of the flesh. He has taken away the vitality of the flesh. He has limited the ability of the flesh to rule over us. God ordained in eternity past that we should walk in righteousness. Ephesians chapter 2 
in verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. Therefore, God has given us the ability to do so by setting us apart through, through sanctification and, and by giving us the power to obey, which rests in his Holy Spirit. Then we saw that sanctification imparts to us the inviolability, which is uh, prohibits destruction. So by extension, when we say that God has sanctified us, we're saying that God has imparted to us the nature of Christ and has empowered us to devote ourselves to his exclusive service and use. And further, he has secured us from utter destruction. Psalm 37, verses 23 and 24, we read, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. You see, a believer may and will fall, but he or she cannot and will not utterly forsake God. This is because of the inviability imparted to us by the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. We are preserved from destruction. So this brings us to the next point of discussion that I want to embark on today. And that is this, Roman numeral four, we are kept in holiness by the separation of the saints. We read already from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What does that mean? If we are going to obey this admonition, we have to understand what it's saying. And as with any verse of scripture, you must, you must take that verse and look at it within the, the realm of all scripture. So that you can see and understand the correct interpretation of the verse you're talking about. Many profess that the admonition here is to avoid all interactions with the unregenerate man. However, this would be inconsistent with Paul's own teachings in previous and following epistles. Jesus himself knew that we would not be able to avoid such interactions. 
Now, I want to stop right here before anybody says, goes away and says, well, Brother Dalton says I can hobnob with every Tom, Dick, and Harry in town. That's not what I'm saying. And I will state in our message, we do need to be very selective in our associations. But I want us to see exactly what God is admonishing us to do here. So I'd like for you to turn with me to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. And we're going to read a lot of scripture here. So, if we're going to get out of here in a timely manner, you have to listen fast. Okay, if we, if we end up late, it's your fault, because you didn't listen fast enough. John chapter 17. And let's look at verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven. Now, this is a prayer of Jesus. That's why I want to read the whole thing. And said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. And they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that was Judas Iscariot, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the word hath hate, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. In verse 15, Jesus did not pray for us to be taken out of the world. For we need to be in the world. You and I must be in the world. We must be in the world to preach the gospel. 
We must be in the world to glorify the Father's name. We must be in the world to serve the Father in his will and his purpose. The main emphasis of Paul's instruction here is expounded upon in verse 16, and it is to avoid the entanglements of the false religions and religious practices of the world. Notice the subjects that Paul used in our text verses today, in in Corinthians chapter 6. Words such as righteousness and unrighteousness, uh, light and darkness, Christ and Belial, believers and infidels. These words are spiritual in their nature. So it is apparent that Paul is admonishing us to be separate in our worship, separate in our manner of walk, separate in our understanding of God and of his principles. We are admonished to be separate, to be distinguishable from the world. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 we read, But ye are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know, it amazes me how people who claim to be children of God take such misinterpreted and shallow meanings from the word of God. I remember several years ago, I don't know, this, this might be 15, 17 years ago, something like that, uh, when I was working with the youth here in the church. We went to a youth conference, and the theme of that conference is, be weird for Christ. Yeah, be weird for Christ. How many of you honestly think Peter is telling us to be weird when he says that we're a peculiar people? Anybody? What sense would it make for us to be distinguishable if there is no one to be distinguished from? So the idea that we, that we isolate ourselves in a private little world and we never associate outside of that makes no sense. It makes no logical sense at all in the admonition given here. Paul's argument here is dissuasive from having associations with the criminal and or sinful actions of men. And, it, and this is consistent with his own teachings as well as the teachings of Christ throughout the New Testament. Now, I do not say, again, that we should not be selective in the acquaintances we keep. However, we must be careful lest we develop a holier-than-thou attitude and this attitude will cause us ultimately to become proud and arrogant. Which is what a lot of people are today in religious circles. Even despising those who they would deem to be beneath their level of holiness. But what about Jesus? 
Remember Christ himself. The Pharisees accused him of being, of associating with who? Don't be afraid, say it. Publicans and sinners, wine-bibbers. They accused Jesus of that because he was amongst them. In in Matthew chapter 9, we read, And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at me in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus said, go and and learn what that means. Why? Because they didn't know. They didn't know anything about Christ. They didn't know why he was here. They didn't understand his love and compassion. So he said, go out there, go, go away and learn the truth. Then come back and maybe you'll love these sinners and publicans yourself. Christ became a friend to sinners. However, he did not lower himself to their level of depravity. Rather, he instructed them in truth and spiritual understanding. He lifted them and showed them God. And it's our responsibility to do the same today. Turn with me to Psalm 40. You're listening pretty good so far. I think we're I think we're moving at a good pace. See, I'm a rabbit hunter. I got to be careful. When I get to preaching, I get off on rabbit trails. And I got to I got to stay focused. I got to stay on my notes. Psalm 40. I said it is our responsibility to Show Christ to a lost world. And we're not going to be able to show Christ to a lost world unless we go to them in the lost world and show him. Look at verse 40. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And he had put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it. Did you you see that? And fear and shall trust in the Lord. God has made us a peculiar people, but not, not weirdos. But he's made us distinguishable from the world because of, of our love, because, because of our joy, because of our peace. Because of the gentleness that we have, because of our goodness, because of the faith, because of the meekness and the temperance we demonstrate to all those we meet. By the way, those are called the fruit of the Spirit. And that is the life we should live. That is our holiness. But we we cannot possess any of those attributes without Christ, without God. He has given us specific propensities, whereas we had an whereas we before had the propensity to sin, now we have the propensity to live in holiness and righteousness. Not that we can produce those, 
But we have the desire. That's what propensity means. It's a desire. We, now, we don't have the desire to sin. We now have the desire to live in holiness. And if you don't have that desire, you better check that heart. Because it's probably still in the flesh. These attributes I described are in stark contrast to the works of the flesh. Works of the flesh are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, reveling. But we no longer have a propensity for that. Because Christ has made us a new creature, a new creation. And now we have a desire. Our desires are to walk in holiness. These peculiarities, these attributes are what distinguish us from the world. Before my, my wife and I got married and uh, within the first couple of years of our marriage we were expecting our first child. And I was a heathen. I'm going to tell you, I was a heathen with a capital H, a capital E, a capital A, go right down the line. I was a capital in all of them. Absolute, ultimate heathen. And by the way, you may not like it, but so were you. But I came home from work and she told me that we were pregnant. Well, she was pregnant. I wasn't pregnant, but that we were pregnant. And after dinner, I went walking out in my backyard and I looked up to the heavens and I said, God, I'm going to have a responsibility to teach this child about you, but I don't know you. And I don't know anything about you. I need your help. I turned around and as I was walking to the house, to the door, I heard the phone ring. And my, when I walked through the door, my wife said, somebody's on the phone for you. I answered the phone. It was my old high school buddy, Mike Alpha. And Mike was a carpenter and I happened to own a construction company. And I got on the phone. I said, I hadn't seen, I hadn't seen Mike for probably six years. I said, hey, Mike, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, man. I'm busy now. I'm serving the Lord. I thought, well, that's funny. I said, what can I do for you? He said, I need a job. I knew he was a good carpenter, and we, my, my dad and I had a big job going, so I said, sure, man, no problem. I gave him the address. I said, come on out tomorrow morning, and, and we'll talk. Now, Mike in high school was a, I mean, he was a typical 70s teenager. Long hair, long beard. And I'm not, I'm not being discreditable by that. I'm just saying that's, that's how he was. And uh, he was a drinker and smoker, just, just like I was. And he jumped out of his truck that morning. And I mean, whew, who was that? Clean shaven, haircut, dressed, dressed, just, just dressed perfectly for a carpenter. Spring in his step. Came over there, shook my hand. I said, all I could say was, what happened to you? That's all I could say. What happened to you? 
And he said, Jesus happened to me. And I thought, oh, God. Here we go, a Jesus freak. And we started working together. Never, I never met a man work harder. Never complained. Never cheated me out of one minute. Wouldn't break until lunchtime started and he, he wouldn't take an extra minute for lunch. I could leave him on a job and trust that he was honest and was going to do everything I expected. And after a few months of that, I just, it, was, it was tearing me up inside. I said, Mike, I got to know what happened to you. And he, he started witnessing to me. And after a few weeks of that, I was, ready, I was ready to let him go. We were driving home from work one day, and my cousin was in the truck with me. And I said, when this job is over, I'm cutting this guy loose because I can't take it anymore. But God had other plans. And before the job was over, I was saved. I was born again. You see, God used him to preach the gospel to me. I was lost. I was an unbeliever. But he, he entered into a contract with me. Now, he did not begin to worship the false religion that I worshipped. And, and he, didn't, he didn't take up drinking with me after work or, 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 or reveling with me on the weekends. He remained separate in his worship and in his walk with God. And in doing so, by his testimony, he showed me and he introduced me to Jesus Christ. Listen, folks, God has made us holy and not we ourselves. It is by his sovereign work in regeneration and sanctification. And it was unto his purpose. And that purpose is for his own glorification and for our witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ to all men everywhere. That God, according to his will, will bring his elect saints to repentance and faith. So our separation is one of the tools that God has given us to continue in the holiness that he imparted to us. A holiness that does not depend upon our righteousness, which, by the way, we do not have. And a, a holiness that cannot be destroyed. It's inviolable. And it, we will never utterly be destroyed because it is God himself that holds us up. Verse 17, he says, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate. What does that mean? Come out from among the world and be separate in your faith. Come out from the world and be separate in your worship. Come out from the world and be separate in your walk. And then verse 18, he says, I will be a father unto you. Now, this is, this is to be understood of the favor given by a loving and caring father. A father pitying his children and sympathizing with them, supporting them through their trials and afflictions, sustaining them, not with the minimum of provisions, rather with an abundance doth he provide for them. And then he says, ye shall be my sons and daughters. And this speaks to our assurance of our relationship with the Father. Not that by our separation we merit eternal life. No, no. The paraphrasing of this would be, and you will behave and live 
as my sons and daughters should live. When we, when we separate ourselves from in our faith and in our worship and in our walk, we will live the way God's children should live. We won't struggle with all the things that, that confound us. We will be strong. We will have the strength to walk in holiness that was given to us. Not merited or earned. Given to us in eternity past according to the will of the Father. That we should walk in holiness. So we're to be separate today. Separate in our faith. Separate in our worship. Separate in our walk. But we are to be witnesses unto Christ. And to do this, we will have to carry the gospel to unbelievers. Do you, do you, do you understand nobody's going to come? They're not going to come seeking you. All the years, all the years, over three decades I've been in the ministry, I've yet to have someone come to me. Hi, what do I have to do to be saved? Never happened. But I have gone to countless thousands and opened my Bible and shared the Lord with them. Romans 3.11, there is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. So be separate, yes. Jesus didn't pray that we would be taken out of the world. He prayed that we would be kept from the evil of the world. We are in the world, folks. And like it or not, you are going to have associations with unsaved people. But when we do, we must, we must be separate in our, in, our, in our worship, in our faith. We must be, walk in holiness in their sight. We must be peculiar. We must be different, distinguishably different. And those whom God has chosen, he will lift and he will save. And, and our witness is important. Make wise decisions in your associations. But understand that lost men are counting on you and me to show them, to introduce them to Jesus Christ. So be separate from worldliness today. Be separate from idolatry. Be separate from false doctrine. And be separated unto the righteousness in Christ. And walk in the holiness we have been given by the Father. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Your word is truth. Your word is strength. It's power. It has the ability to awaken us. It has the ability to change our hearts and minds. It has the ability to to empower us to live in holiness. Thank you, Lord, for the word that was shared today. I pray, Lord, that the message you had for us would have, would have come out today in all that was said. We love you, Lord. We desire, our propensity is to walk in holiness. Our, our desire today is to serve you, to love you, to honor you, to glorify you. But we're sinful flesh and we can't do these things without you. 
So we yield ourselves today to your Holy Spirit and we ask that we would walk in, in truth and walk in holiness. Help us, Lord. Teach us. Guide us. Instruct us. Let us help one another. Let us be an encouragement to one another and an encouragement to those around us to bring the light of Christ into a dark world and to shine that light so that others will see that there is hope and they will come to that light to receive that hope. I know that there are some hurting hearts here today. I know that there are people who have to make decisions. I know that, I know that there's disappointment. I know there's sadness, grief. And Lord, you know all these things and you are the, you are the great physician and you can heal all these things in our hearts and you can use us and we desire to be used. So Father, bless us today, we pray. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.